Welcome to Real Tech Hours, a podcast where we talk about tech during real tech hours. Today we're going to talk about Google's event tomorrow and then some random articles. Now, obviously, it's late, uh, so I'm going to be a little quieter on this one. People are sleeping. Um, but I wanted to give it all the way until the end of the day to try to get as many articles squeezed out as possible to try to find as many as possible for tomorrow's event because a lot of leaks have occurred since the last time that we talked about this. We got some pricing leaks, some full-on product details for some other products. We have some reports of different services and things of that nature, so I figured we'd give it a wait. So, so let's cover the random things first, and let's move on to Google. But to get this stuff out of the way, as always, if you have a question, a comment, a topic you want to see discussed, or you just want to reach out, send an email to realtechhourspodcast at gmail.com. That is realtechhourspodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow this podcast on Twitter at realtechhours to stay up to date with the podcast. So first we'll start with Real Elon Hours. we got a couple for today. It's pretty interesting. So Elon Musk announced that starting in November, the cost of autopilot will increase by $1,000. We knew this was coming. The software currently costs $6,000. The price increases mainly due to the recent update to the version 10 software, which inclu- which introduced Smart Summon. When later asked about navigating on autopilot for street-level use, as that obviously is not out yet, must replied with a wink emoji. So what's happening here? Autopilot going up in price. Uh, he's been talking about this for a while. He's been saying price increases are coming. The better the software will get, the more it will increase. It's going to increase over the... the he said is an appreciating asset so it's you know if you when you go and buy a traditional car you know you say you go down to the dealership tomorrow and you buy yourself a new toyota camry as soon as you roll that car off the lot it starts losing money and it's not worth as much as it was just sitting on the lot but with the tesla the autopilot portion of the car as well as some other portions of the cars because it's so tech-centered the autopilot portion will slowly appreciate in value so it'll be worth more and more over the lifetime of the car because it's going to get better as they improve the software and it gets closer to self-driving and they improve the hardware on it to make decisions faster like they're doing with the hardware 3.0 compared to the 2.5 that's currently out right now 3.0 is coming in a, a later rollout so that they aren't uh, particularly stressed about it but you know as they get better this car is going to cost more and eventually like Elon Musk's master plan is to not even sell Teslas at all to have just robo taxis everywhere and that's how their company makes money because it'll be worth more to them to keep all the cars and just have them drive people around than to sell them or lease them to normal people which is kind of why I'm trying to jump in there so quickly and, and purchase one so and other news, Tesla is also planning to open new Tesla centers to increase delivery and serviceability while bypassing dealership restrictions. These service centers would serve as distribution. These centers would serve as distribution hubs and service centers in major metro areas starting in the fourth quarter. So we should start to see some pretty soon. Some start to get built at least. Or you know, I don't know how the progress is going. It's currently the fourth quarter, so I don't know if the the article is just misstating here, but um, yeah, they better get on that. They only got, uh, just a little over two months left to crank something out, but, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, there's going to be some pushback from dealerships. We talked about that in the past. 
Um, but Tesla centers, it, their main focus is going to be on selling energy. So, you know, if they're not selling actual cars there, then they, they really can't go to bat in court and somebody can't try to bring them down. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how helpful they come to Tesla, especially with their latest reports on their delivery numbers, trying to hit 100,000 and a quarter. These will definitely help. It'll allow them to just constantly push out cars to these delivery centers. Uh, they will also, like I stated, they'll be a major measure area, so they could just constantly throw cars at them, and people can come pick them up, or they can go and get them dropped off at their house from the delivery center. It'll just be an easier way to get the cars out of the factory and to somewhere else so that they can be sitting there waiting for somebody to either buy them or come in and uh, pick them up or have them dropped at their house. Anyways, the, any way you look at it, they're going to be they're going to be very helpful. So according to a report by the U.S. Treasury Inspector General, up to 74 million in tax credits has been wrongly claimed for electric vehicles. The main confusion is that you must own the vehicle to claim the credit. A lease does not count. People have also been claiming more credit than they should have, as the maximum credit is set at $7,500. The minimum starts at $2,500 and goes up depending on your battery size. The IRS is going to send out notices to all 16,510 taxpayers who made ineligible claims by February 2020. Now, this kind of shocked me, honestly. I, even though I knew so much about this, I didn't know a whole lot about the, I know I know a lot of Tesla, because I just follow Tesla, I love Tesla, obviously, I have, we have a segment on here on the show, Real Real Elon Hours, love this guy, but I didn't know a whole lot about the buying, the buying process, other than the, I knew some of the prices to lease the vehicles, because I'd looked at it previously, trying to see, you know, in, the, in my wildest dream, if I could swing it, but, um, even then, I didn't know that the maximum credit was $7,500. Obviously, all Teslas qualify for that because their battery size are already so big. But smaller plug-in vehicles, like they mentioned something by... Let me see if I can pull it up here. They mentioned something by... It was like a small little plug-in EV. Not the Bolt, so the Bolt, the Chevy Bolt qualifies, but the, they mentioned the Volvo XC60T8 plug-in. It only qualifies for $5,002. So, yeah, I, I didn't know it was variable like that. That's pretty crazy, but, you know, the IRS, they're gonna get their money back, so be on the lookout if you are one of those people. Finally, for real Elon hours, the founder of Faraday has filed for bankruptcy. So if you don't know what Faraday is, Faraday and Future is another electric vehicle company based out of China. They have been trying to push out some vehicles. They've got some nice designs coming, and they're, sp they're supposed to be jumping into this space along with Neo is the other company that's over there um, that is trying to produce some electric vehicles. And, you know, this doesn't come at a good time. They're trying to raise money. They're trying to make an impact in the market. They're trying to get a foothold, essentially. And for their founder to go bankrupt right now is rough. So the founder accumulated a large amount of debt in China, building up various other businesses. And he's going to give up his control of Faraday to settle some of his debts. So, you know, it's never, never a good thing to see, but it is what it is. So next up, our last random topic, or article I should say, is Amazon is now offering one-day shipping on many $1 items. Amazon has been slowly making the move from two-day shipping to one-day shipping, often requiring certain purchase totals for the shipping to apply, such as you have to pay, you have to buy at least $25 worth of stuff for to get 
two day shipping or $35 for the stuff to give one day shipping. And then they slowly just kind of did away with that and did away with the whole, they had a whole add on section where you, it could be like, you're missing $5. Here's five things that are $5 that you might want or that you've ordered in the past and are things people often order multiples of. Um, so this is now another way that they are trying to circumvent the need to go to stores for anything. Insider, where I spotted the article, detailed that this is a bad sign for companies like Target, CVS, Walgreens, where consumers might go to get such items. Otherwise, it's kind of interesting that they threw Target in there with uh, CVS and Walgreens, because I definitely see CVS and Walgreens being as more of the one-stop shop, just there really quick to get a like toothpaste or toilet paper, or you need body wash, or you need a new toothbrush, or you're on the way to class and you need some pins, or you're going to the office and you need to grab a quick drink and a bag of chips. Like, like this kind, of, These kind of places are, are like gas stations without the gas and a lot more products. So, uh, I, I don't see why Target is on this list. Target is a, a grocer. They do a lot more, especially if you've been into one of the redesigned stores recently, you definitely know that they are not like CVS or Walgreens. They're very nice on the inside. I have one near my house, and I gotta say, I like it. They are doing some serious changes. Target is absolutely out here, um, you know, clapping some cheeks, making some moves in this space, and uh, they're not going down sleeping. But uh, CVS and Walgreens, I can definitely see taking a hit from this this announcement, you know, it's a one-day shipping on $1 items. $1 items. Now, anything gets one-day shipping, pretty much, from Amazon. What's the point of going to, to any place anymore? Just get your, you run out of tooth, you're about to run out of toothpaste, boom, click the order button on your Amazon app, comes to you tomorrow. Anyways, that's all for the random topics. Let's get on to the real stuff for this episode. We're talking about Google, and we're talking about tomorrow. And it is going to be something to see. But first, we're going to go in a little bit of a weird order. I've got like nine or ten articles here that I just want to burn through. And I tried to place them in some kind of order where it's like uh, some interviews, some uh, what they might do, some products, a service, a YouTube TV update, and then some pricing information so we'll, we'll go with that order first is made by google talks design process behind the stadia controller so we've all seen it i love it looks nice very sleek very minimal uh interesting colors that's why i hit the pre-order for the founders edition and now the design director isabella olson uh, has come forward and talked about how they designed it so uh, she said that Google filmed 6,000 hours of gameplay to observe how people were holding different controllers. And I was like, wow, that's that's pretty crazy. You know, like, who sits down for 6,000 hours to skim through all this stuff? Um, yeah, that's just, that's just crazy. So uh, another step that they did here was involve was letting test subjects play with the clay mold to their desired grips, as well as letting them place thumbsticks on a mock device. Uh, and then other considerations include the angle of between grip and the curvature. They basically, you know, they really, they really spent their time on this, apparently, is, is what they're trying to say. 
and yeah, you know, it's it's very similar to the uh, it's basically a DualShock controller is what it looks like, and that's what I prefer. I have never pl barely played with a Xbox controller, so I can't say too much about having your joysticks on in two different uh, levels. You know how the the joystick on the left side is up, and then the D-pad is below it. Um, but it'll be interesting. So obviously, a Stadia controller, sixty-nine dollars. It's a standalone purchase. Um, it has charging over USB-C, a 3.5mm headphone jack, and, uh, oh, though, Bluetooth audio will be coming in a post-launch update, which is, that's sweet, and then it just connects directly over Wi-Fi to your whole Stadia setup. So, you know, it'll just be interesting to finally get this thing in my hands, it's coming in November next month, I'm excited, I'm excited. And I will definitely let you guys know how that feels. Hopefully, we will see an update about that tomorrow. And with this next article, I think we're I think we're slated to see something. So Google Stadia can be faster than local hardware by predicting players' actions. Now this this started up a little bit of an interesting topic or conversation, I guess I should say. So the Stadia vice president came out and said that it will eventually be faster than traditional gaming controller by predicting button presses he believes that in a year or two uh, stadia will actually be faster when it comes to input due to the nature of the technology stadia currently has to compensate for input lag that traditional consoles don't have to worry about ultimately we think in one in a year or two we'll have this is a direct quote sorry ultimately we think in a year or two we'll have games that are running faster and feel more responsive in the cloud than they do locally regardless of how powerful the local machinery is he plans to comment this by using negative latency this technology would you, you see google stadia predicting players actions or button presses now some people were like oh what does that mean is it going to press my buttons for me in advance no, actually. So what it does is all it does is try to predict what you're going to do and then load what would happen after that in advance. And then it would, you know, say, hey, if they do this action, I've already got it preloaded. If they don't, that's cool, too. We'll just go back and, and load up what, they're, what, the, what the actual response should be based on their actions so uh, you know all these measures are to avoid problems caused by streaming games over Wi-Fi uh, and it may sound like huge negatives but here in the article they state based on early player tests it seems like it won't be a deal breaker deal breaker by any means plus the predictions active t actions teased in this interview aren't part of the platform yet so Google has plenty of time to see if the idea would even work it'll be interesting to see where they go with this um, I could definitely see something like this working out for them. Next, let's talk about some products. Um, we're going to start with a maybe. So Google might announce a 5G Pixel 4 at next week's event. So we've been talking about a lot. Four devices are potentially slated. Four devices have been filed patents for. What does that mean? What does that mean is a good Questions. So, an article by Nikki, been talking about these people a lot, says that Google has begun test production of a model of a phone that includes 5G. 
So obviously standard versions of Pixel 4 are going to be announced next Tuesday and they'll support LTE, but they could potentially come out with a 5G model. While Nikki says it could be shown next week, its sources said the announcement could also be held until spring to appear alongside a new budget phone, the successor to the Pixel 3. A, if the phone is revealed on Tuesday, it's likely that it'll be a teaser for a launch trailer later on. Not a good idea, though, as this article goes on to point out, because if you know from the last launch event for the Pixel 3 and 3XL, the pre-orders started out kind of slow and kind of rough, and they really didn't take off on selling phones in general until the 3A came out, and that sucker blew up. So just teasing a 5G phone would make so many people would make some people hold out on their pre-orders and not go in now. And honestly, I think that's one of the reasons why they're going to drop the 4A now. I can see them doing it just to hit, hit the reset button and not have the 3A be a separate event out out from the the uh 4 just the, the standard device, but I guess you never know. We'll have to just wait and see until tomorrow. So just an interesting 5G device. Those are becoming more popular nowadays. Next up, we have a article. Uh, another maybe. Google Pixel Watch could finally get released next week, report says. This one comes from Digital Trends. So a lot of rumors surrounding Pixel Watch. The rumor comes from Nike Asian again which cites an unidentified source close to the matter so they say you know they've accurately predicted so nike has, has had a pretty good track record of predicting hardware release in the past the outlet also said that the they would launch you know like we just talked about the 5g variant along with a new notebook which we'll get to in a second while the report doesn't mention the pixel watch by name google's hardware line has been tied to pixel name for four years in a row now so it would be a little strange to see a new smartwatch that doesn't bear the branding we've had plenty of rumors in the past last year's event was supposed to have one got scrapped right beforehand this year's event I haven't heard a lot coming from google I haven't heard anything essentially coming from google about seeing a a smartwatch so are they going to do it i don't know should they do it absolutely it is definitely something they should take a look into they should definitely drop a smartwatch now's the time in uh, Apple's uh, quarter two earning report, I think, is when their wearables jumped to 10% of their sales, which is actually quite surprising. It was expected to go down in terms of overall makeup of their total revenue, but it didn't. It shot up. It went up, increased. So, you know, now I think, I think wearables are definitely something that is going to become... Uh, I think that it's definitely going to become something of interest to people. I think some people are going to start buying them, uh, especially with the rumors for Apple's AR glasses that people need to, they definitely need people to shift towards being more open with these wearable, the wearable section for that to really work out. So next, what do we got? This is the Google Pixel Book 95 Google Oh, sorry, this is the Google Pixelbook Go. 9to5 Google brings to us Google Pixelbook Go. Sounds a lot like the Microsoft Surface Go. 
Um, it's basically, you know, just like a, a more portable, compact, smaller version of their Pixelbook. It has a strange standout feature. On the bottom is a rubberized grid texture. It's It looks like a washboard, honestly, like an old time. You'd see it in black and white film down by the river, washing some clothes on a washboard. That's exactly what it looks like. It's supposed to be rubberized. They say it feels night they say it feels good in the hands so hey you know and it's supposed to it's a grip yeah probably to help it be more uh, mobile so it's not very slippery in your hands when you're walking around with it let's see if they give a they don't give a source for this week uh so it's an inside source that they have it's a they have pictures and everything of the device in the not pink color, uh, similar to the Pixel 3. On the sides, we can see a 3.5 millimeter headphone jack, USB-C port, a charging LED indicator. Um, we can see another USB-C port. And so it looks, obviously, it looks pretty interesting. It's got a... a it's got a camera, a front-facing camera, and two microphones on the top, obviously for picking up the hot words to activate Google Assistant. It's also got a 13.3-inch display, full HD, and then they go on to list some of the other specs. Let me see if I can find them. So, uh... They, here we have it, the Intel Core. It can come with an M3, an i5, or an i7, 8 or 16 gigabytes of RAM, 6, 128, or 256 gigs of storage, two front-firing speakers, 2 megapixel front-facing camera, 1080p and 60fps, their Titan C chip for added security, normal Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, 3.3 inch touchscreen, normal Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, I wonder if that means Bluetooth 5.0. Bluetooth 5.0 is obviously the newer standard, and it'd be nice to see a 16 by 9 Aspect ratio, both full HD or 4K, 4K molecular display options. Molecular display, ooh, fancy terminology. It'll be interesting to see what they say about that. Two USB-C ports, a 3.5mm headphone jack, two colors, just black and not pink. So some things you might notice are missing, according to 95 Google, are fingerprint sensor and pixel pin support. So, yeah, I mean, the... The, the device looks nice. It looks interesting. Very, very portable, very compact. It's going to be an interesting look, especially with me being in the market right now for something along those lines. If it's towards the cheaper end, your boy might buy one. We'll see. Next, the Google Nest Mini has leaked in full. New power cable, new wall mount, new wall mount, new everything. Honestly, the design is basically the same as the current Google Mini. Uh, they're just rebranding it and they're adding a new wall mount hole on the back. So, not much. Honestly, it's uh, going away from micro USB to for the power connector and it'll use a 15 watt power supply instead of the 9 watt power supply that they currently use. And we've got some some um, reports on the colors here. So <laughs> the leak touts. I'm gonna butcher this. 
anthracite, I think that's how you say it, rock candy, which looks like a light gray, coral, and a sky blue. The first two are presumably, the, the article says, the first two are presumably code names for charcoal and chalk, with coral returning and sky blue being a new addition. Uh, it's essentially a light blue, and, and it does look pretty decent, actually, so I, I might take a, a look into that one. Obviously, one of these spec upgrades is Bluetooth going up to 5.0, and Wi-Fi is still the same, 802.11. Also, there does not appear to be a physical reset button, says 9to5Google, which is interesting. Interesting, interesting. It does have a little slider on the bottom. Um, let me actually, does mine have a slider? That's a, that's a good question. Pick mine up, and it does. What does it do? It's probably just a mute. Sorry, Google. Didn't mean to do that. But yeah, interesting. It's going to be fun. It's just getting me hyped up for tomorrow. Honestly, I can't wait. I have class up until 1.15, but as soon as I get out of class, I'm going to be powering through. I'm going to rewind the live stream. I'm going to watch it. And I'm excited. Uh, you can now move... You can now easily move music or video streams between Google Smart Home devices. So Google has introduced a new feature for, for its smart devices called Stream Transfer, which will let you move your music, videos, podcasts, and more from one device to another simply by using voice commands. For instance, if you're playing a YouTube video on your Google Nest Hub Max in your bedroom, you can now simply transfer that stream to your Chromecast-enabled TV in your living room. So this comes from Android Authority. The, they also say the same goes for switching devices from Chromecast to Google Home and Google Nest devices. So, I mean, I gotta say, prediction, I called it. Here comes the connectivity, here comes the ecosystem, here comes their launch into all their devices work better when you own everything made by Google. It's gonna be interesting to see how they go about explaining this at the event, how they go about marketing it. I'm really excited. I know it's coming. It's going to be a big part. It's going to be a really big part. And I think that people are sleeping on it. I think they're going to, I think they're really going to pull something off here and it's going to be quite interesting. That's, that's my big prediction is, is tomorrow we're going to see something quite interesting in terms of marketing the connectivity of these devices. I'm going to be really paying attention throughout this whole thing. You know, Friday's episode is probably going to be all just Google updates so and talking about the event. I might even do something before then. I'm not 100% sure. Um, just like with today, I waited all the way up. It's literally 11 o'clock midnight now that I started recording this just to try to get as many uh, articles into the, my bag as possible because I kept getting stuff all the way through the morning. Like most of these articles, half, like, like six or seven actually, of these articles that I've been telling you guys here or that I have in total, we're literally from this morning, so it's pretty crazy. Um, the stream transfer got announced a little while back, uh, but it is, let's see, it, it does have a compatibility. Currently, it is compatible with YouTube Music, Spotify, Pandora, and a couple more. Uh, for videos, it's compatible with YouTube. They've started to roll the feature across all Chromecast, Google Home, and Nest smart speakers and displays to so start keeping an eye out for the feature very soon. Next up, YouTube TV no longer accepts iTunes subscriptions on iOS and Apple TV, so following in the footsteps of 
Spotify, they're tired and they're fed up and they're no longer going to pay 30% of their revenue share from these services to Apple. It's tough being Apple right now, I've got to say. Not only are you getting clapped on one hand, you are spending billions of dollars trying to make sure that your services work. And while I'm sure they're going to pull it off and I'm sure they're going to be just fine, I mean, man, one after another. So Google confirmed that they are pulling the support for this functionality. And that's really what it boils down to. They're tired of this. So, you know, it's... So here from the article, I'll just read it straight out. Due to this by 95 Google, by the way, due to Apple's iTunes requirements, Google was forced to charge an extra five dollars a month on top of the fifty a month bill, and the company couldn't offer new users a free trial either. If you already signed up for the service using iTunes billing, your payment shouldn't be affected unless you cancel. So now, what do you have to do to sign up instead of being able to do it on your iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV? You have to go onto their website and sign up. Will it be a pain? Probably not. You also have to have a Google account. Is that a pain? Probably not. Just set it up. Sign in if you really want to use it. Uh, apparently, it's a, it's a pretty big deal. Apparently, a lot of it's a, a very popular service for live streaming the traditional TV channels, which I honestly didn't know. I, I just kind of figured you know this was gonna fall by the wayside, but apparently it's got some it's got some backing to it, which is kind of surprising to me at least. But hey, more power to them. Get off of Apple's platform. Don't pay their ridiculous 30% charge. And yeah, that is that. So next up is we got the final two articles for today's podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about the Pixel 4 price, what these articles say, and then what I say they should do. So first, we have one from Android Police from a little while back, back on the 12th, so three days ago. Uh, a pre-order went live for Best Buy in Canada for the Pixel 4. It had all the stats, had two colors, so obviously it's missing some things. But it did also give a nice side-by-side -side breakdown of the differences in specs, so we can go over that. But first, what do you guys want to know? Price. So, obviously, there's just a deposit right now of just $50, so there wasn't detailed pricing, but they did show a bunch of different carriers, and, you know, you'd have to choose payment plan or pay it in full right when you went to pick it up. But, you know, it's just kind of nice to see the side-by-side -side comparison between the two devices. So, we'll, we'll go here with the, f the four... 4XL, actually, because they have 3XL listed. We'll go with the 4XL versus the 3XL. So on the 4XL, you get a 12 megapixel plus 16 megapixel with 4K video resolution for your dual rear camera setup compared to the 12 megapixel camera on the back of the 3XL, which had 4K resolution. Um, obviously, the Pixel 4, the regular one, also gets this rear camera setup, but you know, they're adding in that extra 16 megapixel camera. The front megapixel, the front camera remains the same, 8 megapixels, 1080p. For the display, you're getting a 6.3 Quad HD Plus OLED smooth display, so the only difference is it's 90 hertz now. The Pixel 4 gets the 5.7 smooth display. The 4 has a 4XL, sorry, has a 3700 mAh battery, while the 3XL has 3430. The 
uh, Pixel 4, both sets get the Qualtro Qualcomm Snapdragon 855, 6GB RAM. It had 64GB model pre-order available, so that's the only model. Obviously, they're not going to do that. It's going to be 128GB model, just like always. And authentication was a face unlock instead of fingerprint sensor, and it does list a checkmark next to motion since, which is a project solely we've talked about in the past. So while this article isn't as interesting as we would have hoped, 9to5Google is here to save the day with how the pricing might actually start at 799 So a lot of reports are coming out that the prices of the device were going to go up. They might even start at $1,000 for the Pixel 4, which I knew immediately was ridiculous, but <laughs> thank the Lord somebody came in and saved the day and said, they might actually start at 799 unchanged from the Pixel 3 series. So, yeah, what's what's going on? Over the source, uh, so here, 95 Google states, over the weekend, a source at Best Buy told us that Pixel 4 XL could start at an eye-watering 999 Now, just a day before the launch event, a new report claims that a much more reasonable price for the Pixel 4 series will be the actual starting. So, citing a carrier source, Droid Life claims that Google's pricing for the Pixel 4 will start at 799 for the smaller base 64 gigabyte model. On top of that, the Pixel 4 XL will charge $100 more for the same sort of tier. Unfortunately, there's no word on how the price will go up for the 128 gigabyte model. So, needless to say, that 799 is a high price point. Especially with the iPhone 11 coming in at 699. Well, obviously the specs for the iPhone 11 are way tuned down compared to the Pixel 4. But still, come on, Pixel. Honestly, Google tomorrow. Let me tell you what the price point should be. The price point should be somewhere 600, 650. 700 max 700 should be like the like the utmost max they need to pull a one plus here and they need to drop the price just before they go and release it cut back some of that margin on your device take a hit and improve your customer base the device has you know google obviously has network effects the more people who use it the better it gets same goes for the Pixel. The more people who use the Pixel, the better the assistant is able to work with the phone and the better the experience will be for everybody because they just are able to collect so much more data on the, the Pixel usage. They're able to improve it and update the software better. So, come on, Google. Don't play games tomorrow. Drop the phone at the price point that you should, not the price point that you want. Obviously, they want to target their luxury brand bring the luxury brand price down provide a luxury product at a at a upper mid-range price that's what you need to do that's where they should go will they do it won't they we'll have to wait and see obviously less than uh, 13 hours now from the launch 1209 a.m. the launch event starts at one o'clock so stay tuned and see what's happening tomorrow and with that, we will finish up today's Real Tech Hour. So today, we looked at Real Elon Hours getting caught up over there. We talked about Amazon now offering one-day shipping on some $1 items. And then we got into the real topic at hand was looking at tomorrow, Google's announcement event, and what they're going to do with that. 
So as always, you can find the podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find it on Anchor.fm, Breaker, CastBox, Radio Public, Overcast, and TuneIn. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Real Tech Hours to stay up to date with the latest podcast news and updates. If you have any questions, comments, or you want to reach out, send an email to realtechhourspodcast at gmail.com. It could be topic recommendations, articles, questions, comments, just about anything. Send an email to realtechhourspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for joining me during these Real Tech Hours, and I will catch you guys on... Okay, I guess I'm going to say I'll catch you guys on next time, just like everywhere, every day, because I can't say Friday because we might have hot take in between then. Hopefully, please, Google, surprise me tomorrow. Make me do a hot take. Make me do something. That's all I got to say. I'll catch you guys next time. Peace.